live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. There we go. Hey, everybody. This is it's 607 at News Talk WSB. <laughs> this is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves at Georgia Garden. Welcome, friends. I'm glad you're here. If you're here on a cold winter day on December the 20, whatever it is today, then you have some either terrible insomnia or <laughs> you're driving around right now hoping, hoping, hoping somebody will talk some sense into something that you want to hear about. And by the way, for the past, I don't know, three, four, maybe weeks, every Saturday, we have had a caller from out of state, way up yonder in the pawpaw patch, had one from Canada, had one from New Jersey, because our AM signal, the 7.50 AM signal, bounces, boom, 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 up in the ionosphere, up to the moon and back. And um, so our signal bounces around. And so you may be right now driving around someplace, at home, someplace, not nearly within our normal broadcast area. And if you already have a garden question, give it down. I'd love to hear from you. 404 404-872-0750. 404-872-0750 gets you in no matter where you're calling from. You can call. Ask me. I'm Walter Reeves. I know... Once in a while, a little bit about gardening because I've killed so many plants. I had to learn. So give me a call if you like. One of the things I was thinking about yesterday, I was walking down the street in my neighborhood and looking at all the trees, the tall, a lot of pine trees, a lot of poplars and a couple of maples and hickories in the backyards of my neighbors. And so as I was walking down the street, it's very, very easy at this time of year to see English ivy, on the trunks of the trees. Maybe not so easy during the growing season, during the summer, because you have the leaves of the tree that hide the ivy. So only if you get up close to the tree and see the trunk can you see the ivy is really, really headed for the heights and going up the trunk of the tree and spreading out of the branches. So this week I was walking down my neighborhood and looking at the ivy that was admiring some of the trees had just been just about covered. It was almost to the top of those trees and thinking to myself, now, let me clarify my mind, because I often do this. I think to myself questions that gardeners have that they pose to me, and one of them frequently is, A, is ivy bad? B, should I get rid of it? C, what damage does it do? D, is there any way I can use English ivy productively? And there are good answers to all those questions. The question about, you know, why does it grow so so rapidly is because ivy is a vine and it's looking for light. You know that. It's just looking for light. And the only way it can find to get up higher than everything around it is to climb a tree. And so the the ivy has a response to, to it's actually a response to shade is what the uh, response is. It's thig, thigmotropism, is that right? I think that's right. Thigmo, T-H-I-G-M-O, thigmotropism. So they put a little ivy seed on the forest floor, germinates, the seedling comes up, and immediately it starts going around, sort of 
spreading, lengthening itself. And as soon as it finds something dark, as soon as it finds some shade, that little seedling begins thinking, I think this thing is causing shade right here is probably bigger than me. Probably if I climbed it, I could get up to some more light. And so it follows the shade down across the forest floor till it hits the trunk of whatever's causing the shade. Could be a tree, could be a post, could be an azalea, could be whatever's bigger than it. And the ivy seedling says, now I'm going to climb up this thing until I find some light. And so my trees in my neighborhood, the ivy from somewhere around those trees, has hit the trunk and started inexorably climbing upward. And as it climbs, of course, the, the happier it gets, I guess, the, the bigger sometimes the leaves will get until it gets to the top of the tree. And then it can mature. And that's something you may not have ever noticed because the maturing form of an English ivy plant is usually way up high. I mean, really like 25 to 30 feet higher than your head. That's where English ivy blooms. Now think about it. How many times have you seen an English ivy flower? Huh? Come on, think about it. How many times have you seen an English ivy seed? Yeah, I didn't think you had. I have. I have because I've been looking for them. But the English ivy, when it gets 25 or 30 feet high, the leaves begin to change shape. No longer are they have, do they have this sort of angular one, two, three, zigzag, zigzag around the edge of the leaf, but it's very, very much more rounded. And when it gets up to the top of the tree, it starts turning round, the lows start rounding, then the blooms start, and then the little black seed come after the blooms, and the seed then are really good food for birds. Now you know why ivy spreads. Yeah, the birds eat the seeds. They can't digest them. They poop them out, and the ivy goes here, here and there in the forest floor <laughs> to sprout, to find a good place to sprout, to go find some shade, to climb it, to you know, repeat the process all over again. So what damage does an English ivy vine do to a tree? Well, it's not a parasite. In other words, it does not use the sap of the pine or the poplar or whatever is growing on. It does not use the juice inside that tree to benefit itself. It doesn't have any roots that go down through the trunk and suck up the sap from the tree. No, it doesn't. It has roots. Yeah, and you've seen this. This is where the where the roots come out the side of the English ivy vine. They cling to the bark, and that's all they do. They just use the bark to cling to so they can get higher, and they don't go through the bark and into the real living part of a tree. So the English ivy, what, what damage does it do to the tree? Well, when it gets higher, and higher and higher, inevitably, it's passing limbs that has leaves for that tree on them. And as the English ivy gets higher, the limbs become shaded. But limbs don't have a way to go look for more sunshine. They can grow outwards, perhaps some, but not nearly as fast, not nearly as rapidly as an ivy vine can. And so as the ivy vine gets higher and higher, it begins to shade out lower limbs on the tree. Is that good? No, no, it didn't have to be bad, but it's not always a good thing for the tree, certainly. But the other thing that I think ivy can do to a tree, damage that it can do to a, to a tall thing in its environment, is the ivy simply collects rainwater, wind, ice, if you get an ice storm, and becomes much more heavy than the tree sort of is expecting. You know, trees have compression and uh, expansion wood, on their trunks and on their limbs and everything, and these different kinds, thicknesses of cell walls and these uh, pieces of wood hold the tree upright, 
holds the limb horizontal. That's what that's how a tree holds itself up. So the tree, 15 years ago, had put on a certain amount of uh, compression and expansion wood, and that is what the tree is expecting to use to hold itself upright, to hold the limb out. Here comes ivy. Ivy goes up the tree. Ivy gets high over the limb. Ivy begins to create weight on the limb of the tree, right? So the ivy can collect water, collect the wind uh, going through the trees, collect the ice that gets onto the ivy leaves and, and freezes in the wintertime. And all of a sudden, the limb or the tree trunk is overwhelmed because it wasn't expecting that thing to happen. And so the tree that expected one weight to be on it now has double that weight, perhaps, from the, from the English ivy. So then what do you do? This is another thing, just walking through my neighborhood, just looking at the ivy, contemplating what I would say if somebody this morning asked me about what do I do about English ivy. You know, the easiest thing to do is just to chop the vine, get a little hatchet or a machete or a saw or whatever instrument of destruction you got, whatever you have in the garage or the shed or whatever, and go out and where the vine is coming out of the ground, climbing the trunk of the tree, just Chop it a little bit. Just chop it all the way through. Be careful. Don't chop into the trunk of the tree, but chop the vine of the ivy. And you may find more than one. You may find two or three or four, some big, some small, all of which are going up the tree. Look real carefully in the crevices of the bark. And when you find a little piece of ivy vine going upward, then get the machete or the hatchet and chop it off. If you want to be real sure that it cannot climb any higher, chop it twice. That will cut off all moisture, nutrients, and everything else going up to that tree and uh, up to that vine, I mean, to the top of the vine. And the vine will very gradually, and I mean, it'll be slow, but it'll be about three, four weeks. Sometimes it can be as long as two months before the leaves of the ivy turn brown. They'll turn gradually sort of yellow, and then they'll turn brown, and then you got a whole tree full of brown ivy vines. And then as the weather comes and wind comes, they will be, they'll fall off. Over the next four or five years, all of the uh, little vinelets and things coming off the English ivy vine will fall off and die as long as you down there get on the ground underneath the tree. Don't let it sprout and come up again because ivy wants to do that. Remember, its mission in life is to climb trees or climb shrubs or get up higher than everybody else. And so even if you chop it down low to the ground, Ivy's going to say, hmm, you think you think you got rid of me? Ha, ha, ha. And the Ivy sprouts out again starts climbing the tree. And that is why my, my, my advice to everyone who has English Ivy is to mow or chop or pull, destroy, whatever you want to do, Ivy within eh, two, three maybe feet of the trunk of a tree that you want to protect. And so you just take your lawnmower, your chopper, your machete, or your hands, pull the ivy back a couple of feet from the trunk of the tree, and then the ivy, you can see when it finally gets ahead of you and starts headed toward the trunk, you just chop it again. Make it mad, but chop it again. Keep the ivy from climbing the trunk of the tree. You can use chemicals. I know there are sprays. I use sprays all the time to control some of the ivy in my yard. But that's the reason that ivy harms trees. That's why I don't like it to be up in trees because it causes trees to fall down. I like trees. They can't recover nearly as fast as the ivy can. That's how to control ivy. Just chop it. And if you have any further questions about ivy or anything else that's bothering you in the landscape, you give me a call. 404-872-0750. John in Ballground will be with us in just a minute. He has a maple tree 
John has a magic maple tree. It keeps keep, it's keeping its leaves, and he wants to know why. We'll figure that out right after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. Half the reason to listen to the Lawn and Garden Show is listen to the music that Jason Byers chooses for us each Saturday morning. So stick around. Jason will still be here from now to 9 o'clock, just like me. Quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. It's sunny today. Sunny with some clouds, I should say. High of 48, low of 33. Sunday, light rain. High of 56 and low of 34. And your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. John in Ball Ground joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, John. Brother John, where are you? Here. Good morning, Walter. How hey, you John. Doing? What's up this morning? Well, I just have a curious question. Talk to I me. know I have beech trees in my yard, and they heat their leaves year-round. Of course. Also, I have a maple tree in my yard that also holds its leaves till the springtime again. Ah. And it's rescued out of the woods. And I've asked people if they know what kind it is, but nobody seems to know. So I thought if anybody would, you might. (laughs) Huh. Trident maple, T-R-I-D-E-N-T, trident maple, would not commonly be in the woods. It's more a landscape maple that people plant in in street trees and in front yards and things like that, but not a wild maple. Okay. Wild maples almost always are going to be red maple, sugar maple, or some inbred combination of the two. Maples are pretty promiscuous, John. They, they have sex with each other pretty much every day. And they're just like oaks. Both of them out there just having sex all the time. And so you have these permutations of red and sugar maple and a couple of different, maybe a couple more in the, in the woods. And oaks the same way. You can rarely find a pure white oak anymore, pure red oak anymore, because they've all just been breeding with each other for years and years and years. So which maple you have and what its parents might be would be hard to determine, but I will give you an opportunity, John, to find out exactly what it is. If you have a way, if you can get a picture or two or three of those leaves. Yes. And on my website, there's a a little button that says, uh, name that plant, WalterReeves.com, name that plant. So a little button there. When you click it, it says, hey, what's your name? You say, John. What you got? And you upload three pictures to my thing. Give me some details. It was in the woods. It's holding its leaves. I want to know what it is. You know, you just fill out the little little form that I have there and click send. And it comes to my website, and I check it every day to see who has submitted a new weird plant for me to identify. And I will either take a stab at it myself, or I have a nice, wonderful woman over in Dickinson, Texas, of all places, John, and who loves to identify plants. She has very little botanical training, but she is a terror at, at identifying plants. And so uh, Laura will take care of you there if I can't. So that's what okay. we'll figure out what it is, John. You All right. I'll be glad to, I can do in. that then. All right. Then we'll find out what it is. 
right. Thank you, and y'all have a Merry Christmas. Right, Merry Christmas to you too, John. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Comes to us now, Brother Dean from Meridian, Mississippi. Dean, how you doing? I'm doing good, Walter. Thank you for, for taking the call this morning. And yeah. I'm telling you what, you're coming in over here just like I'm downtown Atlanta on <laughs> Celestial Signal. Unbelievable. Do you listen it's to fantastic? Do you listen to other uh, far off stations, Dean, from other parts of the country? Uh, occasionally, I'll listen to uh, uh, w, WLW out of uh, Cincinnati, uh-huh. and it it was coming in Cracker Jack tonight as well. Huh. But uh, as soon as I knew that you were getting ready to come on, I switched from seven hundred back over to seven fifty, yeah, so I yeah. could hear Walter. Well, you. Didn't listen to O'Neill Williams and Woman Williams earlier this morning talk about hunting and fishing and outdoor sports and things like that. You should I, miss them. I did miss out. I caught about the last 15 minutes of his show. Uh-huh, good. And I've, I always enjoy hearing him. He's, he's fantastic. Sure is. And, uh, but now you are going to make me look so smart with my wife <laughs> because you answered all my questions about English Ivy. Darn. Well, I'm happy to do that, Dean. I do my best to keep uh, marital relations uh, strong in my listenership. And so if you and your sweetheart can stay together simply because you know now what Ivy does and doesn't do and valuable or not valuable. And, and you know, Dean, there are times when I have told people that English Ivy is the only plant. They will do what they want. Shade, slope, um, just nothing's going to grow in the shade on the slope other than English ivy. Yes, sir. And uh, we we was having the discussion, was it a parasite? No. And we had both agreed that it might be because <laughs> we cut the roots off like you talked about last yeah. year. It's, it's in a locust tree out on yeah. the corner of our property. And uh, a lot of it died out last last year. That's when we did it. it. Was early last spring, right? And a lot of it died out, but it was still hanging on, trying to be green all the way down through the heat of the summer. Yeah, and actually, it's still trying to be green right now. Well, if you cut it off, I'm sorry. Oh, I hit the wrong button. I said, Dean, I'm sorry about. It. I put you back on hold. But basically, if you cut it at the base, it cannot live healthily after that. So your English ivy is gone. It doesn't even know it yet, though. Dean, please tell your wife we said hello. I do wish you would do that for me. Merry Christmas to you at 628. We'll be back after news. Live and festive in the Publix Holiday Headquarters studio at WSB. It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 6.35 on a Saturday morning. This is Lawn and Garden. I'm Walter Reeves at Georgia Gardener, here to help you be more successful doing whatever you want to do in the garden. Maybe there are things you don't want to do, and you want an excuse for not doing it. I can give you that as well. 404-872-0750 is my number this morning. We'll probably not have quite as many calls because it's the holiday season. So if you have ever been shy or you've been put on hold or your line is busy, which is very much the case during the spring, the winter season is a time you can ask questions. It doesn't matter if it's about a winter topic, but you can ask ask questions during the winter season and probably get them answered a little more thoroughly and a little more quickly than you can during the spring. Sissy is in Atlanta, has some boxwoods. What's going on, Sissy? 
Good morning, Walter. How hey. are you? Hey, Sissy. I'm great. What's going on? I purchased two relatively large boxwoods mm-hmm. earlier in the year, and they have developed a bronzy color. Now, they're not dying, I don't think, but I, what I'm wondering is, did they get hit by frost? Mm, hit would not be the right word. Affected would be the right word. There you go. Uh, boxwoods are famous for doing exactly what you said. Some species, I should say. They're not all species of boxwood will bronze up in the wintertime. The Korean boxwood, in my experience, doesn't, box, doesn't bronze up nearly as much as the English boxwoods do. But I have observed there's a new building going up within a couple of miles of my house, and they planted small boxwoods around the perimeter of the landscape. And I drove by the other day, and I looked at them and said, wow, those are really bronze boxwoods right now. The cold weather has caused them to bronze. And it simply is its reaction, the plant's reaction to being in, in the cold. It will green up in the spring without any problem at all. So you're fine, sissy. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm thrilled. Yeah. What are you going to do now with the boxwoods? Uh, are you going to let them grow big or prune them, uh, shear them? What are you going to do? They're they're already pretty big, so they will stay that size. They border um, my steps. Okay. Yeah, that's a common common place to put them. I'll give you a couple of things to look for, Sissy, since we have time to talk a little bit further further about questions. One of the two things that seem pretty common on boxwoods. The first is boxwood leaf miner. And it's difficult to see the insect who does the damage, but when the miner, when the, this little fly thing's what it is, and this little fly will lay its egg on many of the leaves of a boxwood plant, and the larvae gets in between the top surface and the bottom surface of the boxwood leaves. And mines just makes a little track, a little white streak through the leaves of the boxwood. So keep your eye out for the boxwood leaf miner. There are controls for it. There's a couple of sprays you can do and other management things you can do. There's no reason to worry about it now. Your boxwoods are healthy, I'm sure. But keep an eye on it just so you know that's one thing that affects boxwoods. The other one, Sissy, is more serious. If you know people who have boxwoods and during some party or conversation that you have with them sometimes, they say, and you know my boxwood just up and died, dropped all the leaves and up and died. Sissy, that is serious and you should back away from them. Don't touch their hands. Don't shake, don't shake hands with them because boxwood blight is the disease that does exactly as I described. It up and died and lost all its leaves. So... You know, just be aware there is that disease, boxwood blight. And if somebody says they have it, then try not to go to their yard anytime soon. Well, and I I know that 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 is prevalent in some yards. Sometimes you just Mm -hmm. see them and they up and die. But, um, and I know you have to clean your tools and throw away the and Smart, that's right. And when you plant these two, make sure the two things that seems to me to be common problems for boxwoods environmentally is just get too dry or too wet. So if you've got a downspout near your steps where you plant the boxwoods, redirect that water. Do not let it get soggy under that boxwood. It will not be happy. And conversely, don't let it get real dry in June and July either. Well, the good news is they're on a slope, so it slopes Water just runs right off. Baby. Yeah, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. All right, then, Sissy, if you have more questions, of course, you know who to call. Absolutely. All right. Merry Christmas. We'll see you soon. Merry Christmas.
404-872-0750 to get you in to take Sissy's line there. There's Carol. Carol's out in Marietta in Cobb County. Hi, Carol. Good morning. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. What you got? Well, I was at Pike yesterday and saw some flower bulbs that were really marked down, yeah. and I couldn't help myself, so I bought them. But now <laughs> I'm thinking, well, you know, it's pretty cold out there. Is it too? Is it the wrong time to put them in the ground? And if it is, can I do something to them to make sure they stay viable till it is time to put them in the ground? I've got six tulips, Carol, that I bought two weeks ago. <laughs> they still haven't been planted. Outside. Well, they're not—they're not tulips, and they're plants that I've never grown before. What, what did you buy? I bought um, yellow wake robin. Never heard of that. It's called lutein on the label. L-U-T-E-U-M. Okay. Um, Persian buttercups and allium. What is Persian buttercup? What in the heck is that? Well, it says. Ranunculus, oh, yeah, Eco-Loki yeah, okay, mixture. Windflower. Yeah. Yes, you can plant them. I can plant them now. You can plant them now, if you want to. Now, for me, why my tulips have not gone in the ground is because I'm too lazy, and it's been wet and rainy, and I don't <laughs> want to do it. It's just miserable. So right. you have from now until mid-February, Carol, <laughs> to okay. get these in the ground. Come on, you'll find a day that's warm enough to plant your bulbs between now and February, I am sure. So, I'm thinking next week because it's supposed to get to about 60. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it'll warm weather next week. Get her done then. But uh, okay. for right now, put them in a cool place. Don't let them get real hot. Don't let them freeze. Uh, you know, be smart about it. And then next week when it's warm, put them in a nice place with some loose soil. It would help them, I think, a good bit. Um, Carol, put some of the bulb fertilizer, you know, Pike sells the Dr. Earth bulb fertilizer to other brands too. Put a okay. little bit of that in the ground with them because the initial growth phase of all bulbs, daffodils, tulips, ranunculus, whatever you got, that initial growth phase needs some fertilizer, needs some phosphorus, needs a little bit of nitrogen to get the leaves to grow on it, and zip, 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 up they come, and then the flowers come thereafter. So, um, a okay. little fertilizer, little elbow grease on your part, bulbs in ground, and sometime in March, April, Carol looks out and says, ooh, look at my flowers. They are so pretty. <laughs> oh, good. Fantastic. Okay, I got one more question. Yeah. Are any of, are any of these perennials, or are they just going to do like one or two seasons? Yeah, in some places they're perennial. If you okay. look them up on, on uh, Garden Encyclopedia, I think the the ranunculus and the allium certainly. And what was the other one you had? Yellow wake robin lutein. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that, but I bet you it would be a perennial too, in the okay. right situation. But okay. as we know, some plants just didn't read the label, and so some plants in Georgia, for instance, turn into perennials, which means they're supposed to be a perennial, but eh, they're annuals. <laughs> they don't do oh, so well okay. in the winter, the summer, or <laughs> something like that. So, right. yeah, good luck with that perennial part, Carol, but I'm sure they'll be pretty when they come up this spring. Okay. Well, I got them at a real good price, so, well, that's, okay. That's a deal. <laughs> that's a deal. You did fine, Carol. Yes, I did. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot. You I'm, I'm going to enjoy my flowers. Thank and you, And Merry man. Christmas again. We'll see you soon. Bye. Yeah, that's exactly my attitude, is when you have a bulb that you have, uh, or a bunch of bulbs usually, that you have not planted yet in the wintertime, just Get to it when you can. It should be be done between now and the middle of February. But I have planted things in March. Yeah, March. 
tulips. I play in Missy's tulips. My, my neighbor Missy down the street found a bag of tulips in her garage and said, can I plant these? I said, oh, yeah. In fact, I will plant them for you just so I can take a picture. And I took a picture of her tulips in, I think it was May, <laughs> early May, that those things came out. And everybody thought, whoa, those are pretty tulips. How'd you get them to blue so late? <laughs> I have a secret. Basically, I planted them late. That's what you do. Put them in the ground. Don't save them. Don't do anything with them. You know, wait till next fall. Put them in the ground now. Oh, let's say Gabriella comes to us. Hey, Gabriella, good morning. Hi, good morning. Hey, hey good morning. I've come in very loud. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I have a question about uh, fig trees. Sure. What is the best time to take cuttings, and how exactly can I get them to root? And yeah. I can't dig them up under the earth because it's not my fig tree. Uh, and the other okay. question regarding fig tree is I have a friend who in order to winterize it, put um, white plastic over it and kind of mm. bent it down to ground. It's just a really um, small tree that he yeah. planted. Um, and I and I just didn't think that was good for the tree because it doesn't get any mm. any light, yeah, or right. even though it's during the winter. Huh. So let me get a couple of details here, Gabriella. Number one, where do you live? What part of town do you live in? Um... I live in Atlanta, but um, my friend lives in North Alabama. North Alabama. Okay, so that, that's important for me to sort of see what environment the fig and your fig are, are growing in. And, yeah, it's um, a little bit colder up there. Yeah, a little bit. Um, and the fig that you want to propagate, that you want to make a new fig from, how big is it now? Um, I, I haven't taken the cutting yet, but, but it, you, I wanted you, to back in, in late October. Um, but you, you've, seen the, you, you've seen that fig. Do you know how big it is? Is it taller than you or wider than you, or do you know anything about it at all? The one that I want to propagate? Yeah. From? Yeah. Oh, it's um, it's pretty tall. It hasn't died back yet this winter. Okay. I mean, it hasn't, you know, the freeze hasn't gotten to it. Do the folks who own that fig, do they care much what you cut from it? Can you take two or three or four or ten cuttings from it? Is that all right with them? I think so, yeah. I've got all sorts of opportunities for you, Gabriella. <laughs> this okay. is easy. Go to that fig and get a, uh, take a sharp pruner so that you can cut things easily and just clip them right off. And take several cuttings about 12 inches to 14 inches long. That's how long you make cuttings, right at the tips of the branches. There may be little, little tiny green buds at the end of the branch. That's nice because that's a great, great healthy cutting that will root very easily. Bring them back home, and let's say you have nine of them, just to divide things out here. So take nine of them, take three from those nine, and find a little sort of sunny, loose soil, maybe a little end of the flower bed in your yard, someplace that gets a lot of sun during the wintertime, and take a shovel, turn the ground a little bit to dig your place, and put those cuttings one, two, three, right beside each other, three inches, four inches, maybe from each other, cover the bottom half of the cutting up, leaving the top six or so inches sticking out of the ground, and we'll see what happens there. That's for three of them. Mm -hmm. Second, third. See, we're doing an experiment here to see which one works best. Second experiment, go to a garden center and get a bag of potting soil. In, in almost every case, potting soil is pre-moistened. You know, it's not real dry inside the bag. And uh, if you sort of feel through the plastic of the bag or maybe poke a hole in it a little bit when you get home, you can see there's moist inside there. Bag of potting soil, a, 
what would you use to poke it with? A stick. <laughs> you had something to poke a stick in that bag of potting soil. Poke three holes. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, four inches deep. Stick three or more of your nine cuttings in there. Now you got six that have been planted. Last experiment. Yet a Where two- do I keep this one that's the bag? Oh, outside? 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 outside. Nope. Okay. Outside at the base of a garage wall is where it works to great. It's fabulous mm-hmm. to do that. Experiment number three, get a couple of three six-inch pots, get some more potting soil, fill them full of, full of uh, earth, fill of potting soil, stick one, two, three more of your thing in those three pots, one per each, and cover it with a little light plastic just to keep the wind off of it in those pots. Check on each one of your nine twice, maybe a month in the next couple, three months. All of them, I will bet you, Gabriel, I'll bet you that every one of them will start making new leaves, new roots. And when you tug on them a little bit in April, you'll tug and say, doggone, these things are rooted. And they will be rooted in the ground. They'll be rooted in the pot. They'll be rooted in the bag of potting soil. You'll have nine great-looking fig cuttings. Great. And that's okay to do this now during the wintertime. Now's a great time. and and what about the plastic that my friend Oh, tell your friend to stop doing that. I know it's cold in North Alabama, but yeah. unless he is thinking there, she is thinking that it's going to get down to, I don't know, 10, 15 maybe degrees, don't cover the fig. Only when it's approaching 15 degrees would I think about covering that fig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of agree with that. <laughs> yeah, I think it'd be better to leave it alone for the winter until it gets real uh-huh. severe cold outside. Yeah. Gabrielle, I don't mean to cut you off, but I do need to get out of here. So Thank you. I'll leave you with that. The figs, uh, good luck with it. Get, tell me in the spring when they all root, call me back and tell me what happened. It's 6.50. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade from Atlanta's Morning News on WSB. Our 24-hour news center delivers updates all weekend. Depend on it. We'll be here Monday morning, 4.30 till 9, for breaking news and traffic and weather every six minutes. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves. God rest you, merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Savior was born upon this day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. What tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. What tidings of comfort and joy. Thank you for that music, Jason. Sunday, the quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Sunny today, high of 48, low of 33. Sunday, light rain possible, high of 56, low of 34. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Now, we had a caller a minute ago, Gabriella, who wanted to know a little bit more about her, or no one, Gabriella, somebody else who wanted to know about they're bulbs, and we have an expert on the line to tell us what those bulbs were, our friend Mickey Gathaway from Pike Nursery. What was she planting, Mickey? Good morning. Can hey, good, good morning. Can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you great. Okay. Um, it, it was, it's uh, trillium. White robins are trillium. Oh, I thought they were, but I thought, does Pike sell trillium? I didn't realize they did. Sell them as bulbs. Okay. One last year, or year before last, I bought two of them, and they've done great. They came up. I've got them on my pants in a shady spot, and they're beautiful. So if she got that one at West Cobb, it was the last one we had because I was <laughs> You got all the rest of them, didn't you, Mickey? Yeah, if, a trillium, if it was a trillium, I just didn't know what lutium was going to be. But if uh, if it's a trillium, it will be perennial. It will be reliably perennial as long as she puts it in the woods where it doesn't get too hot in the summertime. She'll be fine. 
And that one's yellow. I think that's okay. the yellow. And yeah, the yellow. Lithium, sure. And then the re ranunculus, I think that's one that eh, maybe one year, maybe two, she might get out of that one. And the allium, as long as it doesn't, again, get very wet during the wintertime, I think alliums do pretty good uh, as far as perennializing as well, but not so sure about the ranunculus. Mickey, we got to go, but I will talk to you this morning at 835 to find out what's on sale at Pike Nursery this weekend. And our little bird tells me, so it's going to be very, very very, very nice this weekend if you go to Pike and shop for your holiday plants. The 658 will be back after news.